Hey, welcome in to today's Lead Live. My name is Clint Berry. I'm one of the co-founders and executive directors of the Lead Program. Today, we're talking at le- about leading at mental maximum, and uh, we've got some great guests on the show today. Uh, it will be right here all day for you. Let's go. <laughs> Josh Franks, Miss Ann Belke, thank you for being on this lead live stream. So glad that we can be together uh, this afternoon with our leaders. And so we're going to talk more about leading on mental maximum. Uh, let me give you my 24 hours, Ann. Okay, the last 24 hours, I've been trying to create a spreadsheet to get in on all of the CARES Act, right? So we can pay employees and, and develop the spreadsheet. That took a more and then my son wants to play croquet of all games, which I think is fantastic. But we've got to go outside and play croquet. Uh, Lena was jumping on the bounce house in the backyard. It was super windy. And so she, the wind picked up the bounce house. She was inside of it. It flipped it on its back. She probably is a bit concussed. Uh, and then last uh, evening, my water heater blew out. Now, that's just my family Meanwhile, there's a COVID-19 pandemic happening, and I'm trying to figure out how to lead well in my organization, and I feel like I'm leading on mental maximum, and that's why we have you here to this conversation. Uh, Josh, describe some of your uh, family's reality, ministry leadership, family life. Take us through some of that for you. Yeah, I I think for me, like it's making the switch from being a local church pastor and leader who is with people all the time uh, to seeing them a lot online, but not really being able to feel like there's all that connection going on. And then just this tweak realize that I have my own mental issues, which is I have run into burning building itis. And that is that when I see crisis happen, I am never wanting to run away from it. I want to run into it and I want to help and I want to be hands-on and I want to be there and I want to bring people with me. And with the COVID-19 pandemic, it doesn't seem like I can do that. I I, uh, have to stay away. The best way to help is to stay away. And so now I have these conflicting things going on. Uh, and so fortunately I have a great support network that I reached out to and I said, you guys got to talk me out of running into this burning building because I'm ready to go help at every food bank possible. Um, but I got a family to think about. I've got other people in my neighborhood and community to think about. So I've got these conflicting impulses within me that I'm dealing with as well as the rest of my own ministry leadership. Mm. So, and this, this is leading on max, like this is what you and I were talking about uh, over the weekend. And so we need to start this conversation. So how do you even start to bring some of like to ratchet some of this stuff down that we're talking about? How, how do you frame this conversation about, cause we can't stop leading. We have to stop lead. We have to, we have to keep on going, but let's start this conversation, Anne, and, and where would you have us begin as you've just heard our last 24 hours or so? Yeah, I think a little bit uh, 
maybe Clint, the way we started when you and I talked the other the other evening, and I think uh, Josh, I, I love your transparency and your courageous. <laughs> wow, what a spirit to just put it out there. I'm running into burning buildings, or at least I want to, and I can't. And there's yeah. just so much wrapped up in all of that. And Clint, you and I, you and I talked about isolation. Yeah. That whole feeling of wow, on church and church on Sunday morning, I can connect before church. I can connect yeah. during sermon. I can connect afterwards and get some feedback, or pray with people, or just love on people, or receive that. And that just is like gone well one fell swoop. So isolation is a big deal. We're going to talk a little bit later about what do I do about all these things. Another one is working from home. You're not working yeah. in your environment. Um, most pastors I know are not going into their church and even doing the online sermons. They're working from home. That's not everybody, and that may not be the, some of the pastors that are listening but a lot of people are shifting and working from home. Clint, like you described, can be utter chaos, absolute chaos. Yeah. Um, then there's all those requirements to perform, that wonderful, overwhelming, um, I got to serve, I got to lead, I have to do all kinds of things, and I have to do them all well, right? I've got to take care of people, Um I need to spend time with my family and care for them. Mm. I've got maybe underemployment right now. Uh, I may have unemployment. I don't know. Um, I've, uh, I might have from that some personal and, uh, and other kind of financial shortfalls. The church may have financial shortfalls. Um, I want to be caring for and spending time with my congregants um, and my other church leaders but I can only do that electronically, like you were saying, Josh. And then I want to try to create new ways to provide services to congregants. And a lot of people I know weren't prepared to go online, to go live anywhere in any way, right? Right, um, absolutely. Then I want to try in that performance realm, I want to I try to provide for people well enough so that I maintain the attendance of our church and also to somehow give legitimacy in helping people connect when I might not be connecting. I might be superficially connecting electronically even and not really feeling it. I'm just doing it. So those are some of the things that you and I talked about, Clint. Um, That that is kind of some of the context of the conversation, right? Yep. Absolutely. So let's let's get into some of this. Like, let's just briefly talk through like working at home. Um, and like Christine and I were even talking about we're doing schooling at home. And so as much as Christine and I have developed an entire space dedicated for working, our schooling space is in our house. And so now for our children, we just came to this realization this morning is like, wait a second, we have this separation between work and home but our kids don't have a separation between school and home. Um, and so we're trying to think, okay, well, what, where do we need to be in our buildings that we own? Where do we need to be for how long and all of the pacing? So but let's just talk a little bit about work from home that could, that could raise like, I'll, I mean, the meter is just pegged because I don't have this divider line anymore between work and home. Can, give, give us some thoughts on that. 
Well, what am I? What I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from church leaders across the board, not just pastors, but other church leaders too, is that people are feeling pretty overwhelmed. There's a lot um, of that performance feeling, but just that sincere desire to care for people well, and that's everybody in my house and out. So that's really um, significant. And then that can lead to feeling like a failure across the board as well, because I feel like I'm not doing all of it well. I can't even measure whether I'm doing it well or not. I can't see people's responses in a sermon. I can't get any feedback from that. I'm just hearing or seeing um, blips like somebody's online and they're saying, well, this and this and this. Mm -hmm. uh, It's Mm -hmm. really, that's really difficult. You can question your own question your own calling and your doubt uh, about that calling. Um, it can feel like that pressure leaves you in this place of feeling powerless and without control over your own life, let alone what's happening with your kids, your spouses, uh, your congregants, your church leaders. Yeah, and so in the middle of that, we can come up feeling like. I'm probably the loneliest I've ever been. And I don't know what to do with that. And there might not be a place I feel like I can put it. Um, There's this longing for help that comes up, especially like you're saying, Clint, I've got all these things going on and I really, I don't know how to do all of it well. So I wonder if there's anybody that can help me. Can there, is there somebody that can help me in technology? Is there, someone that can speak to where I am. Um, when I'm not sure what to do, I can do the fight, fight, flight or freeze thing, right? My brain is taking over in that survival mode and I'm in a place I need desperately to connect. So in order to really deal with anxiety that's happening, uh, anxiety comes out of fear And it's really important to own that fear in a way that I confess that fear. I've got to go to the Lord and say, I'm really afraid. And be specific. I'm afraid about this. I'm afraid of that. I'm worrying about this. And Lord, I want you to know that I am bringing myself. This is all I got. And I'm really concerned here. I know that I should have faith, Lord. I know that I should believe that. You have everything under control that you didn't you didn't wake up one morning surprised like us. You knew it in advance. So in order to stave off depression, um, really deal with any anger that's there, the frustration that comes out of it, uh, that strong desire for relief, the things that might lead to thinking about just throwing in the towel in all kinds of directions and to lots of deep extents, Mm -hmm. the best possible thing we can do is connect. The first and best possible thing we can do is connect. And we're talking about coming back to the word. uh, I'm thinking of Philippians four. God is so explicit in, in that inspirational word to us. He wants us to pray with him without ceasing. He wants us to talk with him. He wants us to bring our needs and make them known in prayer and supplication. Bring that petition, bring that petition, bring that petition. And that's basically that ongoing praying without ceasing, 
unending conversation, moment by moment by moment by moment. Whatever it is, am I talking to God instead of talking to myself? That self-talk can take over, and it's so automated. And whatever our history of talking to ourselves has been, which a lot of us have a really, really negative self-talk, generally speaking, whatever that history is, it's going to come up. I had a professor in grad school that used to say, you know, people are like toothpaste tubes. Whatever, whenever you squeeze them, whatever is in there is going to come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's so right. Right. when I get squeezed, I go back to what I used to do before Christ in coping. I go yeah, it's definitely not toothpaste that comes out of me when I'm squeezed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and let's be really honest. Like, uh, I, I think leaders who are not, you know, thinking these things through, like, not only is it like anger that comes out or I'm a little bit short tempered, but the temptation to use pornography, the temptation to just self isolate or to bury in a phone. Um, I mean, there, there are some nasty outcomes, uh, that, that if not controlled, uh, if, if not expressed, but I, I think not controls the wrong word, if not expressed, like just saying, uh, Christina was saying, uh, she's been encouraged by a friend, a dear friend of hers to say, it's okay to say, this is hard. I'm having a hard time with this. And to announce, and that's what actually ratchets down some of the emotion. Is that right? I mean, how are we to express ourselves it's um, in this time? That's absolutely right, Clint. When I am really feeling the stress um, day-to-day in my own work, I mean, I see and hear a lot of really, really hard things. And I'm not a pastor, but man, do I hear and see some hard and some very tragic and sad things. And the first thing that I want to do when I'm when I'm actually working with people that are sharing with me a really difficult thing, I want to say to myself, this is their story They're sharing it with me. I am the hearer of their story. And then I want to make sure that I am praying in those moments and through those moments. As I'm connecting with other people outside of my work, the first person I want to connect with, and and I believe is absolutely uh, mandatory um, and just set that way by God, is my spouse. I want to go to my spouse, and and I'm going to be honest I'm going to say hard things. I'm really struggling right now. This is really hard. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I just know that God has the answers, even if I don't. I'm going to confess truth to my spouse. I'm going to say, we are going to get through this. And whatever it takes, I'm going to be here for you, and you can be here for me. And so those times are essential. Leading I think, uh, comes out of, uh, or at least good, effective, solid leading comes out of uh, stability. It comes out of knowing who God is, but also knowing in those moments when I'm supposed to be leading other people to God, I have to be with Him first. I have to be in Him first. And that has to come. Even if it's, I've got three minutes in the bathroom, that's all I have. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to spend some, that time. Yeah, sure. Said, right, John? You're nodding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It may be the only time you have. The kids may be pinging off the wall because they're anxious, they're excited, um, and you're drained. When's the last night you had a full night's sleep? 
number one. Number two, without waking. Number three, not having a hard time going back to sleep if you wake. It, this, is, this is a tough time. So connecting first with God and then, then next with my spouse, really important. For those pastors who are listening who are single, if you don't, if you're not in that place to turn to a spouse and all of the pastors who are listening, I would encourage you highly to, if you don't already have a group set up of your pastors in your, in your realm, in your district or however you're structured, if you don't have them set up on a group meet at least once or twice a week and really say the truth to them about you and hear their truth as to what they're going through, as you said, Clint, just speaking it, just saying it helps us to cope. The things that go on in our our brain and our uh, neurological system, that is such an amazing, soothing thing. It's not that all the things that we're worried about are going to disappear or things are going to get easier or change immediately, but there is something amazingly, wonderfully designed into us that God made us to connect, and he says, this is the best place that I have you, humble, coming to me, and connecting with those closest to you, both in your work, but first in your family. Does that make sense? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Good. Josh, it reminds me, some of what Ann is talking about here reminds me, and for our leaders who have read the book, The Cure, uh, remember, it's uh, talked about a sin cycle, but in this case, it might be like a mental maximum cycle. Uh, and one of those uh, you know, charts, in, in one of the charts, it's just telling on yourself. Um, and so maybe bringing that out and just saying, I, I, this is miserable, like, or, you know, my hot water tank blew up. I'm okay with it. It's just frustrating as all get out, like that we have to do this in the middle of social distancing. Like there's just one more thing to do. But by expressing the telling on yourself actually stops uh, the spiral downward. It kind of looks like a cone uh, kind of going down. I think, I think that's one of the ways that we can stop that. But just by telling ourselves, we can stop the spiral. Um, and uh, in some of the notes that we were you know, thinking about, you say, ask everyone to know to pray for you. Now, now that seems like the, but talk to us more about what you're thinking, you know, in terms of that we should ask people to pray. And what, what do we mean by that? And, um, and actually, when I, get a repair, when I get a prayer request, what should I do with it? Well, first off, asking everyone I know to pray with me, this is God's design. He, he has us connected for a reason. And it's not just for the work that he does, but it's for loving and supporting and caring for each other well. So if I'm asking you to pray for me, first, there has to be a level of humility there. I cannot stay arrogant and ask you to pray for me unless there's some sort of hidden agenda there. I want to ask you to pray for me also because when you intercede for me, there's something that happens with me as you're praying for me. Whether it's in my presence, electronically or otherwise, or whether it's not, there's something that happens in our soul when we know that someone cares for us and takes their time and their energy, their effort, and takes us to the throne room of God and begs God to have mercy on us, to provide for us, to care for us, to help us to feel His presence intensely Mm. in this time. Something happens there that cannot happen any other way. 
There's other things that happen when I'm asking people to pray for me. I know that those people that I'm asking to pray for me will pray. That they, they will pray. And so I am not alone in that place. There's amazing comfort in that. And the feeling of not being alone goes right counter against this isolation that a lot of us are experiencing right now. So the object of prayer certainly is not us. The object of prayer, the one who receives the prayer, that's the object of prayer, right? We're all going to the Lord and interceding on other people's behalf. And then God, the Holy Spirit, comes and He ministers to us as we're praying. He ministers that huge compassion, and He speaks to us during those times in ways that that He does in no other times. So there's a really powerful effect of asking people to pray. And I think one of the biggest ones is humility. Absolutely. And it also gets the church energized, right? And, and hard charging into uh, carrying one another's burdens, right? So it's not, it, there's so many things that are going on in sharing the prayer requests from Absolutely. humility to burden carrying uh, to other things. I'm glad, I'm so glad that we, talked a little bit about that. But for the person who's receiving prayer requests, Josh, what do you think about that? Like, so I get a text message, somebody asks me to pray, what do I do? Because I might get a lot of these in the days to come. What do I do as a leader? Yeah, well, what, yeah, what do we do as a leader or, or what do we, if it's just a friend? Like, so we're both in ministry leadership. You and I are texting back and forth. I say, man, water heater just blew apart. Will you pray for us? Uh, how do you respond? And what do you do next? I mean, it, this seems like, oh, Clint, why are we even going down this track? I really want us to talk this out because just texting back, praying, doesn't maybe get it right it doesn't doesn't get it necessarily in this time yeah i was thinking that too it's it's like saying to somebody hey i'll be praying for you um i i think it's appropriate to text a specific prayer or scripture back that you're praying for them or shockingly you can actually dial their number uh, and FaceTime them or have a conversation on the phone. I know that feels like really old technology, uh, but it's pretty valid, I think, just to hear the, the concern and intonation in somebody's voice as they're praying for you can be uh, a way to minister to, to one another as well. That's good. And. Uh, Clint, I'd also like to just go back one step if we could. One thing I forgot to mention is this. When, when pastors ask a congregation to pray, as Clint, you were alluding to, if I'm that congregant, I am now engaged with my pastor, and I am caring for my pastor in a way that I can't otherwise. And in this time, it's really easy to slip into feeling like, I have no purpose as a congregant. I can't do anything. Uh, I have no power as a congregant, especially those people who've been very active in the, in the congregation. Then we look at those who have never been active in a congregation. Maybe they're not even a member. Uh, they can pray. And as you're asking your congregation, if you send out a shotgun request saying, will you please pray for me? Please pray for me. 
pray for me that I will uh, I will be diligent in my work, but I will also care for my family well. Pray for me for balance. Pray for me, whatever those needs are that you have. I now know better how to do that, but I also have an opportunity to have empathy with you and compassion that I don't know about if you don't tell me. So that is really, really important to keep you connected, your con- congregation, but also those of us who want to stay connected to the pastor, not just to our groups or who we're meeting with. That is really important. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I, uh, one of the comments I'm seeing is uh, from Les McMahon, one of cohort directors, regional directors for the LEAD program. He says, make a list of things to pray and be specific in that request. And I, I agree with Les as well. There's a comment from Jordan White, a question from Jordan. It says, how can leaders best communicate their availability to be a safe place to talk, pray, and, you know, and just share with? Uh, so what, what, uh, what can we say to Jordan towards his question, Anne, about how leaders can best communicate their availability so it doesn't come across, I think I'm kind of with Jordan, is it just doesn't come across as this blanket, like, I'm the pastor, I'm the ministry leader, I'm supposed to do this. So what uh, what comment could you give to Jordan on his question? Yeah, I think it's a wonderful question, and I think it's um, I think it could be experienced by pastors as a sticky wicket. Because you give out um, an invitation to your whole congregation or your whole group, and all of a sudden your phone is ringing off the wall day and night. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, being real, right? Um, How do you balance all that? So I think there's that. But I also think that there is that need. um, And I, I believe that activating your leadership layers and levels um, and being able to say, we are available uh, and name those who are available in your particular uh, uh, church or groups. I would really like to see the congregation come to those people upline, as it were, if you have a larger church, so that you're not overwhelmed so much. And uh, and I think it is important, as Josh, you were saying, when we're getting those texts to make a phone call, when you see and hear a uh, even in your imagination, as a text is coming in, what sounds like a bit of desperation. You know, people at this time can be overwhelmed with a lot of different things. And and I think uh, those people who are working, who were working full-time, those people working full-time in ministry especially, the needs can be so overwhelming. And if you're a one-man band, uh, what tune are you playing? I think it's going to be really important to pick up that phone and make a phone call back and and also screen that and let your congregation know up front, I may not be able to call everyone back, but I'm going to do my best. And our leadership team is also going to be calling people back as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so great. And I think this is the perfect time to include people into that. If you haven't previously been including it because they recognize that, hey, not only am I feeling overwhelmed, but I bet our pastors uh, and leaders are feeling overwhelmed as well. I wonder how I can help. And like you said earlier, Ann, the, you know, I can't show up and teach kids ministry class or greet people or whatever normal service opportunities are. And so for you even to recruit people into that now, now is the best time to do that um, because people... People want to help. Uh, and just like me, I want to 
I want to go be with people, serve them, whatever the case may be. And I just can't because uh, that's not the best way to help right now. But you can call, you can talk, you can check in. Um, and to, to say to someone, hey, I've got these three people. Would you mind giving them a call this afternoon? I think, I think now is the time to, in humility, you've got to be willing to be humble and ask for help. Absolutely. Um, not only is it better for your mental health, but it's better for the church. It is uh, better for the ministry of, of the gospel to have more people taking part of that. It is. No, that's good. And when, uh, Go ahead, Ann. when I think about it, um, there's a church in Texas that has over 10,000 people. There is no pastor in that church that's going to make all those phone calls or return all those phone calls. That's not happening. But what they have done is activate their leadership team and they, and the, from the pastor, lead pastor down, the word has gone out. We are going to call every single person in this church. We're going to call them and we're not going to just call them and say, how are you doing with COVID-19? We're going to call them and say, how are you doing? Is there anything that we can help you with? Could I pray for you right now? I just wanted to check on you to see if you're okay. How's your family? And then ask, how's your extended family? We may not ask a lot of, we may not get a lot of negative feedback from somebody, but if we ask about their extended family, you might hear about an ailing parent. You might hear about somebody who was already sick and then this happened. You might hear about financial problems. You might hear about all kinds of things. And again, there are things that we cannot address. There's no way we cannot address the, the bulk of the need of every single person that we care for. But we can be there. We can listen and we can encourage in the Lord. We can pray and we can say, we can make a, a legitimate commitment that says, when this passes, when we are able to be face-to-face again, when our congregation is able, we're going to see what we can do for you. We're going to try to help. If that is within your uh, within your power to do so, what does that sound like? That's good. Yeah, that's good. I wanted to go back really quickly to Josh, your comment about getting people involved. So a technological way to do this is to use a Google spreadsheet, put everybody down, put their name and their email address, their phone number, right? And then as you chunk it up, like you're in charge of these five and Ann, you're in charge of these five and Josh, you're in charge of these five. As I'm sharing that document, then as I'm talking with them and I'm engaging with them, if there is a prayer request, I can do something very practical. I say, can I can I share what you just shared with me to our leadership team? And is is that okay with you? Could I share what you just shared with me to the leadership team? And then I take a note in that little box, and that's going to run all of this information kind of back up the chain so that so that I've communicated with other people and I can literally see something getting accomplished. Cause right now it's really hard sometimes to see ministry work being done. Yeah. But if we can fill in some of those boxes, you can go, yes, we've accomplished something. We've moved the needle. We've impacted these. It gets to keep people accountable, all that sort of stuff. So just a simple technology, like a Google spreadsheet, uh, Trello board, if you're familiar with Trello.com, like something like that could be really, really useful 
to keep track of needs and are this is anybody getting missed right and that way i can follow up as the leader to say hey how come we haven't engaged with so and so yet uh, i just can't get a hold of them you know I, I they're not calling me back okay well something may be going on there right something significant may be going on there that we can't get a hold of them uh if we're just leaving phone calls and phone calls and phone calls and, and maybe we need to figure out a way to still stay safe still stay socially distant in this time to maybe I need to go there and do a, a drive-by, like a door knock and step back, you know, 10 feet and just talk with them to see how they're doing. Um, but uh, you know, we just need to make sure that practically we're thinking through how am I going to get people engaged? Uh, so quick system, Google spreadsheets in order to knock that out. Yeah, I like that too. We we are doing that with my church and one, uh, one of the columns we left um, so that it, you can either put a check or an X in there. And it's so quick. You can open the spreadsheet, scan it, and see very quickly who has not been contacted. Yep. And that way, everybody is getting taken care of. Um, yeah. And so we've talked about uh, people around us. Let's talk more about the in, like our internal. You've got a couple of cool uh, notes here. Um, two that come up is like to guard our own heart and mind, and then exercise and rest. So can you take uh, take us through there? We got about ten minutes remaining. Uh, okay. Take us through some of some of those ideas that you've got for our leaders. Well, when I think about guarding our hearts and minds, I think a little bit about what you were talking about earlier, Clint. Um, If I'm not connecting in a meaningful way with other people, my mind is going to go do something else. It's just going to go do something else. Why? Because God puts a longing in every single one of us. We are wired to connect. When I am not able to do that, when I can't look at someone else and say, are you there for me? Can I count on you? And the answer is no, when I can't do that, my mind is going to try to self-soothe me. And in that, that's when the pop-ups for porn, um, all the internet stuff, um, anything else that I've ever used in the past, the tough thing with pornography is that those images are already in there. It's not like alcohol or drugs or some external substance that you have to go get uh, or even food or something else. But those things are already there. The memories are already there. They're easily accessed, and there can be flashbacks of all kinds of those things coming. But I want you to know that if that's happening to you, if that's happening in your mind, I want you to be able to say to yourself, man, do I ever need to connect with a person? I need real live connection. And that's the time you pick up the phone and you call somebody. Uh, texting fine to say, do you have a moment to talk? But I really want people to connect. There's something really deep about that. And there's more and more uh, uh, studies coming out now that show that with pornography in particular, that pornography and other addictions across the board, um, those are being more and more considered intimacy disorders. And I would like really very much for the church to consider that I believe that that is science discovering God. He made us to connect. And when we are not connected well, we are going, our mind is going to go somewhere to feel that self-soothing. So in guarding our minds and our hearts, that reaching out to that brother, especially a pastor, especially a leader, somebody who gets you, who can say, even if it's not the same issue they have, who can say, I can see you're hurting I can see that, and I get that, or I'm hurting in the same way, or this is driving me crazy too. I'm so glad you said that. 
I'm, I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one. So we were looking at, I was looking at scripture and I was thinking of Proverbs 17, 17, uh, this section that, uh, that's that 17, 17 B it says, says uh, it says that a brother is born for adversity and, and all of you as brothers, um, and sisters, if there, if there are women here as well, um, there's nothing like uh, in your profession, nothing like connecting with another pastor, another leader who has the same burdens that you have. And that brings us to bear one another, one another's burdens that activates this part of us that also God wired into us to want to bear other people's burdens and not be overwhelmed, but also to be received and someone else have a, a shoulder with us to bear those burdens. Then in Proverbs 27, 17, uh, it talks about one of us sharpening another like iron sharpening, sharpening iron. You know, I can be sharper in what I do. I can be stronger in what I do if I know that you are with me, if I know that I am not alone. And the more I can connect with somebody who truly does understand and they get where I'm coming from, uh, the better I'm going to be able to to really uh, do well in really hard times. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. pastors can also talk to their spouses to a certain extent about the the difficulties, as I talked about earlier, kind of in the top of our talk. And there's nothing like sitting down with those close to you and ha- asking them very vulnerably, will you pray for me right now? And then also to say to them, I'm going to pray for you. I can see this is very stressful for you. Could I pray for you right now? So we stop in front of the sink and we get that other person's hand and we just say, wait, wait, I can see. I know you're going eight ways right now, but just a 30 second prayer. Father, will you please bless my spouse, my spouse right now with that peace that passes understanding. Please give us that, Lord. And and that will become more and more of a habit the more often we do it throughout our day. So those things are really important when when we're really not doing well and these other things are coming in that shouldn't. And I wonder um, if there are things that you've seen in ministry leaders that maybe we could call them uh, myths of how they cope with being on mental maximum, that they they think that this is actually going to help me, uh, you know, whatever it is, zone for a minute or something like that, uh, that maybe we can bust some of those myths or confirm some of those things. Yeah. Uh, that are helpful for people, but anything that you, that you've seen in uh, as you meet with people as in your ministry that they've kind of convinced themselves this is the way that I unplug, but really it's not benefiting them. Hmm. Well, before we get to unplugging, I will say that one thing that I've seen in ministry leaders that um, is just this. It's it's its own dynamo in the wrong direction, right? And that is, if I do more, <laughs> fill in the blank. If I do more with this, it's going to be better. If I do something different with this, it'll get better. And it's a doing mentality. 
And I think most ministry leaders have a really difficult time being. Hmm. I'm going to call somebody and I'm just going to be with them. I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to be with them. That's what we were talking about earlier, calling up and say, you know, I was thinking about you today. I just wanted you to know that. That's being. You picked up the phone and you did something, but you were able to just be with that person. And when you think about that, even as I say, it's not about doing, it's about being. What what does it feel like? Does it feel like rubbing a cat the wrong way? (laughs) (laughs) No, I was thinking like the excuse that I've used for that is uh, I'm more of a shoulder to shoulder kind of person than a face to face kind of person. And, uh, I, I would rather be doing something with someone because I have this inherent need to accomplish. Um, and so to find that it is a personal mental and spiritual discipline to, to not look at the task, but look at with the other person in the periphery, but look at the other person make them the priority and allow the task to do whatever it's going to do without my full attention yes. is a discipline, but it is, it's so important for me to realize that I'm not just a machine meant to produce. It is true that we talked about pressure. You know, we can think that God is having, God would have us do these things that we can take on a pressure that we think that, that there's an expectation of a performance level in order to get positive results in my ministry. God doesn't need me. God does not need me. He wants me, but he does not need me. If I'm pretty sure he'd be better off uh, uh, without (laughs) using me some of the time. I'm like, man, Uh, there's other people that would have done this way better. And if I disappear today, do I think for a moment that God is not going to take care of every person on my client? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's not true. So I have to fight the lies that we basically assume in Christianity. And there's a lot of Christianese out there with, you know, every possible saying that is not in the Bible. I have to really be serious, committed to consider what did I just say? What did yeah. I think? And and really practice those in you know those uh, internal disciplines and and I think uh, we talk we talk to ourselves a lot more than we think we do. Um, oh, yeah. We just are not aware of it. And thoughts we can we can probably have um, somewhere around twenty to thirty thoughts per second. And when you're Thing, when your brain is moving that fast, Good night. it's really difficult to, to consider what am I thinking. And one of the exercises I give to my clients when I see that happening, and that happens a lot with, with ministry leaders. I think most ministry leaders are uh, very intelligent people, and those brains are just moving, moving, moving. Those thoughts are just going. Uh, is One of the, the uh, exercises I give them is to keep a notepad uh, uh, just handy and just start writing down just whatever random thoughts are going on. And it's, it's hard to do that because uh, it's hard to slow down enough to do that. But I ask them specifically to write down negative thoughts, whatever the negative thoughts are. Um, 
this is probably not going to happen. Uh, I'm not very good at that. Oh man, I blew that. Oh, I forgot to do this. Oh my goodness. I just lost my temper with my kids. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't talked to my wife and and having a serious personal conversation just about us in what, three months. Um, All that, all those things that just go flying through our heads. You know, the myth is we got it under control. The myth is I'm good. I don't need you. Right. The myth is if I don't do this, it's not going to get done. So I have to do it. There's just, there, there are a lot of them. Um, the myth is if I don't do all of these things, well, I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, God's disappointed with me. Uh, he's looking at me going, oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. You that, or you didn't do this. That's not true. That is yeah. just not true. It's us that thinks that. It's we who believe that. God's not surprised by any of our our sinful or self-degrading thoughts. Uh, He just doesn't think them. He doesn't agree. Right. And I think with ministry in particular, we can uh, can have probably the most blurred lines between our vocation and our family life of any occupation on the planet. Yeah. And... We can say to ourselves, um, I'm, I'm doing ministry. I'm doing ministry, 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 until we look around and our family's looking at us like, I'm sorry, do you live here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, uh, you live here all the time. <laughs> do you have to live here anymore? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's sort of like... I was active duty Navy for 14 years and um, my late husband was also active duty Navy. And so every time he got ready to go out for six months of sea duty aboard a ship, everybody always thought, Oh, we're just going to have the, the greatest of time, the best intimacy. We're going to have just, you know, we're going to just pack everything we can into these last two or three weeks. And I can tell you, we didn't fight any we fought more during that time and we were separated more during that time than any other time, except for when he pulled back in. And what happens is there's this thing that our brain just says, okay, our minds are going, Oh, this is going to be hard. I'm going to miss them. So it prepares and what it'll do actually is pick a fight. And the frustration and aggravation of being abandoned or abandoning another will come up. And so, yeah, our mind anticipates all kinds of things and it can literally shut out. And, and, and the reason I say that Josh is all of a sudden this family that wanted you home so badly, they don't know what to do with you now. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that you tell that story. And cause my wife, Jen and I joke all the time, like before I leave, uh, if I go away for a couple of days of meetings or some ministry thing, or even if she's going to visit family or something like that, that we kind of know in a few day uh, range before one of us leaves, we're like, all right, it's going to get a little spicy around here. Yep. The, the fight potential is really high. So we've become super aware of that and we laugh about it now, it's but so early on in our marriage, and then, like that and then was no laughing matter. Yeah, when he would come home after six months, I had my own way of running things because I had yeah. to, right? Right. I had to do it. 
And so now you guys are back in the house full time and you have your own way of how you'd like certain things to go. And it's probably not going to go that way. (laughs) And your spouse may be really angry, very upset, or feeling like, wait a minute, I had this all figured out and I had a, a system here. I don't know where to put you in it. And you can feel like the odd man out. Yeah, definitely. But it's important to say that, yeah, I'm feeling like the odd man out here. Or yeah. how can I how can I jump in? Where can I jump in? And I want to feel like I fit here in a, in our own family again. And I know this yeah. for all of us. That's good. Good yeah. to be aware of those um, things. Absolutely. I think, um, let me make a quick reference back. So a few days ago, we did a conversation with Dave Brunel about silence and solitude, and it kind of fits into these. He mentioned some really cool practices that we can do in order to kind of settle out um, and firm up. We'll put a link to that. It's now a podcast. You can find it on our Facebook page. Uh, it's the image of the guy with the massive beard. And so, uh, so you can find that in the Facebook feed, and we'll put a link uh, if you're more of a podcast person. We'll put a link to the audio for you. Um, but yeah, I agree with Jordan here in a comment. Uh, and thanks for your service um, in, in the military. That's amazing. Uh, Les, has, uh, Les has a question here as ministry leaders. What, keep, what keeps you up at night um, or causes anxiety uh, for my first responder going into the fire causes anxiety. And on those days, he says it's different. Uh, so like he wants to go in, there's some anxiety to go and there's some anxiety to stay. Um, Josh, is there anything that's been keeping you up at night in the midst of the firefighting? You know, I've, I've slept really well. Um, I had one night of bad sleep and that was right when everything happened. And I started, I was on zoom calls. We started doing these, uh, live kind of conversations. Um, and I had a horrible dream that none of my webcams had turned off and I was being filmed while I was sleeping. Oh. And like just this constant thought that people were watching me. Um, but other than that, like, I just, uh, I feel like, um, I've just been trying to heap grace upon grace towards other people, hoping that they yep. heap grace upon grace towards me, knowing that things aren't going to be perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. Um, and we're all figuring out a new normal together. Uh, has been a great way for me to release the the pressure valve of feeling like I have to get it right, even though none of us have ever experienced anything like this. That's right. Yeah, I, th- I think I think for me, like especially in the initial days, I was I was in uh, the news cycle. I had I had an earbud in. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. And for the first few days of this thing, uh, you know, trying to hear, trying to understand, uh, you know, that helps us as organizational leaders know how to lead and guide our people. Um, but I've started to notice that I'm not jumping out of the cycles, so uh, it's getting harder and harder to put the device. You know, and then you know, what have I missed uh, in, in all of this? And so I think I think for me it's been kind of the all right. It's it's time to social media distance um, in order to say we know what it is. 
the president's locked us in for the next month. Now I know that that's not going to change right until the first of May and maybe longer. And I can jump out of those cycles. Uh, so I think those are, those are things that we need to be aware of in terms of ministry leadership of now, now that the initial roar is over, now we need to kind of say, that's not normal. That's not new normal. The new normal is yet to be seen. Um, and so that was just the initial wave, right? Yes, yes. Uh, and so as we're going through, we need to regulate now to kind of back to what old normal was in terms of our social media practices and things like that. Um, and let's begin to put a bow on uh, some of our conversation here. Um, so one quick, uh, one quick thought, and that is please exercise. Let's do it. Yeah. Exercise. Uh, all of us hear all the time how hugely beneficial exercise is. And it's because it does so much physiologically to the entire nervous system our digestive system, circulatory, all the vital organs, exercise is huge. And um, alternating that with rest. And even if rest is only, like I said earlier, a few minutes in the bathroom uh, to do some do some deep breathing. And, you know, when I, when I talk to people about panic and, and fear and anxiety, I usually will tell them to do the breathing. But uh, in, the, in the Christian sector of my caseload, I will say, as you're breathing in, speak to God about yourself as you're breathing out, speak to God about himself and Mm. confess the truth of God. God, I know that you love me and that you're for me. God, there is none greater than you. God, I need you day and night. Lord God, you alone are my portion. You alone can give me what I need. And so Mm. in those few moments, there can be something really, really um, peaceful and exhilarating at the same time to happen. And so as we do that, as we do kind of tie a bow around some of these things, um, I've talked a lot about connection, and, uh, and I see that across my entire practice. Um, I've been doing this for a number of years now. I see the more people connect in a meaningful way with other people, the more they're calm, the more stable they are, um, I see them working harder in certain ways uh, and able to do so because my brain will engage in logic. And uh, when it's when it's calm, when my emotions are calmer, that a lot then that logic is able to to be employed um, and really maximized in times when I really need it. It's when I'm really excited or very anxious, very worried, or very fearful. The right side of my brain is where most of that activity is happening. If I put people in an MRI, we'd see that Christmas tree kind of light go on all over that side. And the other side of the brain just literally goes dark. Hmm. And that's a, God designed that that way. So what happens then if I can calm that emotional side of me with the fear and the anxiety, then I have a lot better access to logic, a lot better access to problem solving and action, all the things that God designed us to do in ministry. Um, And with families, I really want to say with children and teens, um, uh, on the document that I provided you, I've got a couple of um, links there that have some really great things, really great uh, suggestions with uh, 
children and teens because a lot of times we're going 110 miles an hour with our own hair on fire and we're expecting our kids to take care of themselves, soothe themselves, uh, be calm when we can't. <laughs> mm, <that's right. laughs> yep. We get them to do things we can't do. Um, that's good. But together we can help them to learn that as we learn it and as we start to practice it. And we can uh, even help our spouse out uh, in, in all of that as well. Those of you who are single parents, I just want to say to you, um, my heart is in that place with you. I've talked a lot today about connecting with our spouses, but I haven't forgotten you. And I know that this is very difficult for you. Um, and I pray that as soon as you can connect uh, with others, uh, when this is over, that you are able to, uh, to put yourself out there, especially the, those of you that who are very shy. When I say that, I'm talking about connecting with neighbors, connecting with extended family, connecting with those in your church that do care about you, and, and make your needs known. Uh, I think that that's uh, that's a way that you can understand yourself and your needs better. But it's also a way that you can get some of those needs better met, especially with your kids, especially mm. with kids. Connect with other single parents. It's huge, huge. Um, and I just would want to say also, um, if you have thoughts uh, that are, are not quite where they should be, uh, if you are feeling overwhelmed, or if you started out in a place of financial stress and this is going uh, in the wrong direction, if you started out not feeling like a success, not feeling like you're doing very well, if you were just about to get the handle on this thing and then this stuff came up, right. uh, if you're in a place where you're not really ready, willing, and able to talk with somebody that you know about this, I would really consider uh, con- contacting a professional. There are lots of Christian therapists who absolutely love the Lord and practice strongly biblical counseling. And all of us who are mandated to home now uh, are either in the mix like you guys are trying to learn how to do telehealth um, and to provide video sessions, uh, or we're already doing that. And so my caseload is fully uh, video now. There's lots and lots and lots of help. Um, You may have to wait a few days to get an appointment, but I would imagine that, that that would be uh, time well spent in preparing for what you want to talk about when you do connect with somebody. Very important. If you're having thoughts of self-harm and you're freaked out by that and you don't know what to do with that, if you've never had those thoughts and all of a sudden they're just there, um, or maybe you've had thoughts about it in the past, I would say absolutely call and talk to somebody about that. Just because you're having the thoughts doesn't mean you're suicidal, first off. Second, uh, if you're having the thoughts and uh, you don't have any intention whatsoever of hurting yourself, I just want to say to you, that's a cry for, I need some relief here. I need some help. I need to know that I'm okay. And it's a good opportunity to connect with somebody. And then if you've had thoughts where I would ask you to, to consider, have you thought it through? Do you have a way? Do you know a way that you would, you would do self-harm? And then if that's, if that answer is yes, then that's a time when I would say definitely contact someone and tell them 
hey, I'm, I'm having some thoughts here that are disturbing me and I really need some help. And, and get yourself that help. You cannot help other people in these uh, situations. There's nothing that you can do or offer that won't deplete you more at this time. And I want you to have the help that you need. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Especially if you're, you've created a plan. Um, if, if you need, and you need to express that, like, I'm having these thoughts, and you need to also say, and I know how I would do it. Yes. Um, because that's going to help a healthcare professional understand the level at which they're dealing with. So, yeah, really make sure. Uh, back to was just simply telling on ourselves. And like Josh was saying uh, before he had to leave our call, uh, like he was saying, uh, this is just in me. It was going on, but grace, right? We're delivering grace upon grace. I deliver grace to you. You extend grace to me. Um, and so I feel like that's, uh, one of those ways that we can really serve each other. Well, is just by, again, back to your statement earlier and of humility of, of saying, this is where I'm at. Um, and then people can begin to come around you. Uh, but ministry leaders, if you have someone who is coming to you and saying, I have this thought and this thought and this thought, do not pass that by. That is serious and it should be taken seriously. So dig into those, uh, you know, dig into your contacts and type up, you know, Emerge Ministries here in Ohio, a great resource. Um, and, and we can point people, if you're leaving comments uh, in the live stream or you're viewing it later, we can point you uh, in the direction of Anne and we can make sure that we're our networks around the country, I think, are growing and growing uh, so that we have some talented people that we can talk to about mental health and stability as we're going through these times. Uh, you know, and my my heart goes out for those who are in, like, apartments, like high, especially high-rise apartments. Um, we have a blessing of being able to get out of doors because we have a backyard and we can play in the front yard and, and still kind of isolated and contained. But for those um, of our viewers that are in high-rise apartments where they're not able able to go outside uh, during this time, this can feel not only confining and restricting, but almost claustrophobic in a way. Uh, do you have, like, how are we going to adapt exercise and providing time out, you know, not only for ourselves as adults or ministry leaders, but for kids and everything? Do you have any thoughts about those who are in high-rise apartments that might be valuable? Yeah, I think with uh, apartment living uh, across the board, um, the space is limited, uh, and I think it's very difficult for people to achieve any kind of privacy. And privacy, when when you're really social distancing and you're disconnecting, um, privacy can be at a premium. It can be hard to live in the same house with several other people or even two or three other people and really feel like you have any time or space or place to your own thoughts in just a quiet time. And what I would recommend is look around the space, whatever it is. And, and again, bathrooms are always available in high-rise apartments, right? And I would set up a little bit of a schedule so that everybody has an opportunity to go either to a bedroom, to a bathroom, even to, this may sound a little weird, but even to a closet. It's quiet. It's yep. work. It's yep. people. Um, and that everybody else, the understanding is that everyone else leaves that person alone. Give them a few minutes and then you will get your turn to do the yep. same thing. So there's there's a lot to be said for quieting that nervous system, quieting that mind 
um, so that your soul can, can uh, all of that can come down and your soul can come up, right? Good. Yeah, and, we've allowed our kids to build tents, like to build forts, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and it's just a different change of fa- pace. It looks different usually every mm-hmm. time, and it's just a, a different way to crawl in or out of something. And just like they have a little nook and a little place um, where that they have designed, that they have been creative with, um, but allow the forts to be built and maybe even build your own fort as an adult uh, just to change it up a little bit and to feel like you're being creative or productive and then create a bit of uh, a space where you just crawl in and go, all right, this is a little bit different, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another thing is we are all on the internet right now and time times when it's difficult to get on the internet right now. But um, I would, uh, if I were in that position, I would definitely go online and I would Google things to do in an apartment yeah. <laughs> During COVID-19, you're probably yeah. surprised at the ideas that people have. Absolutely. And also on places uh, where you're connected socially, on social media, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the same thing there. Hey, moms, what are you guys doing? Or hey, dads, what are you yeah. guys doing with the small space right. that you have? How are you maximizing that? I would definitely uh, put that out there as well. And yeah. I, there's no better resources than seeing how people are doing this. Right. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So, Anne, at the end of the show, uh, each time we just kind of take a minute uh, for a final thought. So give us a final thought on leading at mental maximum from your uh, from your vantage point. I think uh, I'll go back to where I started, I think. And that is um, I lead at mental maximum when I am at my best in in terms of my mental and spiritual health. my deepest connections with the Lord bring my most peaceful times. No matter what kind of swirl, crazy stuff is going on in my world, I have to have that time. And I'm best connected in the world. I'm best connected to other people. I'm best connected mm-hmm. right now, especially with other believers. And I do, as you said, Clint, minimize that time uh, that I'm taking in the news Personally, I will do five to 10 minutes a day of listening to try to catch up with where are we today, and then I turn it off, and I want to watch something or listening, listen to something that's going to build up my, my soul, build up my heart, build up my mind, build up my family. And, uh, and out of that, my husband and I say to each other, the stronger he and I are together, the better I can face everything else in the world. And if you and your spouse are not in that place, it might be a wonderful time to start and work toward getting to that place. There's a book called Created for Connection that uh, is is really a, a good book, and it talks about patterns, negative patterns that we get into with each other and how to turn those patterns back around to where we're doing this rather than doing this. That's good. Um, man, leading at mental maximum, my thought is just, we're back to communicating again. Um, like just as we described to the little ones who are learning to talk, uh, they want to use emotions to talk to us or point at things and mumble, uh, just to be able to say, use your words. And so to be able to use our words in a time like this, when I'm leading at mental max, maybe there aren't 
words forming yet. Like as the water tank was blowing apart yesterday, uh, Christina asked, what do we do? And I said, I don't have words yet to know what to do here. I'm still putting the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we weren't biting each other or back and forth. She wanted to know what I wanted to do. And I literally didn't know what to do next, yeah. you know? And so within 45 seconds, now I had words. And so to be able to describe, I'm frustrated by this. We didn't need one more thing. Like now I'm communicating, I'm ratcheting this down for myself, but I also am able to lay before my spouse, my friend group, my children, um, my need and want in this particular area or this particular time. And so just using words to describe, to communicate is a big deal. Uh, during this time. And and I'll add on to my final thought uh, for a second. In terms of children, and you and I briefly talked about allowing a child to express themselves by just a simple project, them drawing a picture of themselves and just seeing what comes out. And it may be uh, playing croquet for my son Cole and how much fun that is. Well, that's great. That's on the positive side. Um, it may be they draw themselves in some sort of a cage or a jail or something. And that's how they're feeling inside and so maybe they don't have enough words to describe but they can use a crayon and a blank sheet of paper in order to describe what's going on uh in their heart if they don't have the words yet especially if they're little to really describe what's going on um in in them and then just asking them okay well what is and then use the child's name as you've told me about ann uh what's going on with them and and why do they feel that way And, and what they're doing is you're giving them right a creative outlet to describe what's going on can you talk a little bit more about that play therapy that you describe and and, and then we're going to wrap the sucker up as we've gone i could talk to you about this for the rest of the day but I, i'm sure that people watching don't necessarily need us to do that um but talk to a little bit more about play therapy as we're ending our conversation yeah. today young children who can talk uh, have usually a more difficult time telling others how they feel and what they're experiencing um rather than doing that externally and what you're describing is I suggest to have them draw a picture of themselves and just give them the time they need to do that. And whatever they decide to use to do that crayons, pencils, colored pencils, whatever it is, they can be pretty creative. And then um, whatever the picture looks like, ask them to tell you about the picture, ask them to tell you about the person in the picture. And, um, for instance, if a girl's name is Sally, you'd ask her, what is Sally doing? What is Sally thinking? How is she feeling today? What does Sally need? And children are much a, much better able to do that in an external way rather than saying, I, I don't know. That's what you'll usually get when you ask a child, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What do you want? What do you need? They'll usually say, I don't know, but they can, if you use a doll or if you use a drawing like that, they can usually say, Sally needs this or Sally would like mm-hmm. this, Sally's, mm-hmm. Sally's afraid or whatever. And then you can help to address some of those needs by saying, I could see why she would feel that way. That's really hard for her. And maybe she needs a hug right now. Could I could I hug you and her and just take her drawing or her, her doll or whatever it is and get them both and hug them um, and just hold, their, uh, hold them for a while? Uh, maybe they need to play and mom doesn't have time or dad doesn't have time, uh, but maybe they can make a plan for just a few minutes 
at some point, uh, even if it's, uh, okay, we're going to eat, not eat at the table right now. We're going to eat and play at the same time. Somehow work that in so that they get what they need. Wow, that's good. And thanks so much for joining us today. I so much appreciate your friendship, your ministry to me and my family and and to our leaders who will be tuning in the days to come. Uh, Stay safe. Uh, Give Walt a high five for me. And uh, Mm -hmm. man, we're pulling for you. Thanks for tuning in uh, from Florida with us. Yeah. So uh, ministry leaders, listen, there is a lot going on. This is a hard time. And uh, I hope you can identify with Josh, myself, and Ann by saying, yeah, we've never done this before. This is this was never a thing. We, we've never done this. And it's hard. It's difficult. And um, we, we do need each other. Uh, we need a strong connection to the Lord. We need a strong connection to one another. Uh, and to be intentional and leading in this particular time means at some level, uh, we use humility and uh, we bolt on a humility and we say, this is where I am. Uh, and to announce to everybody that, yeah, we're in the same boat. It's not because we're a ministry leader that somehow we're above the fray and we don't have these things impacting us as well. Uh, so leaders, we love you. We're pulling for you. If you need anything from us, give us a note in the comment. We'd be glad to help with resources that we have um, and to connect you with all types of uh, Uh, you know, resources. So uh, please let us know about that. Thanks for joining us today. Um, And in a few more days, we'll have another conversation with another ministry leader for ministry leaders. Have a great day, leaders. We'll talk to you soon.